Amen. What a privilege we have been given to be able to come together as we do and worship and praise the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. If I may, as we, High Point Church and my wife and I, we enter a new season of life and into a new chapter. If I, if you'll give me your indulgence for a little while, I'd like to speak to you about the seven realities of experiencing God. Underscoring God's will and His purpose for our life. Let me say this in the onset. We or you cannot stay the way you are and go with God. We cannot stay the way we are and go with God. You see, when it comes to being God's servants, we often act as though God tells us what He wants us to do and then sends us off all by ourselves to try to accomplish it. I'm glad He didn't do that when He called me to the ministry. He didn't call me and then send me off to try to do what we've done over the nearly 45 years by myself. But he has walked with us every step of the way, every avenue that we have traveled, every road that we have gone down. Jesus Christ has been there every step of the way. Then at any time we need Him, we sometimes have the mindset that we can call on Him and He will help us. But I'm going to tell you, when you walk with God and you go with Him, He will be there every step of the way. And let me say this, this is and has never been a true biblical picture. When God is about to do something through and in and through His people, He many times reveals what He is up to and what He's about to do. You see, whatever God is up to, He wants to do it through His people and through those who will yield to Him as servants. Amen. He doesn't send angels to the earth to accomplish what He has called us to accomplish. Oh, He has angels, thousands upon hundreds of thousands of angels that could He could dispatch at any moment. When God is about to do something through you, He has to get you from where you are to where He is. Amen. Think about that for a moment. When God is about to do something through you, He has to get you from where you are to where He is. God comes along and He reveals what He is doing and what He wants to accomplish in your life. And when you know what God is doing, then you know what you need to do. And we just simply need, if I can simplify the answer, we just need to join Him in what God is up to. Whereas oftentimes we fight Him. You can say amen. You know I'm telling you the truth. Oftentimes we fight Him. That's not what I had envisioned, God, but no, we we need to join Him. I will attempt to illustrate this a little more clearly a little later on in our thoughts for today. You see, the moment you know that God is doing something where you are, your life will be thrown in contrast to God. And again, I remind you, you cannot stay the way you are and go with God. I don't care how many years we've been living for Him. We cannot stay the way we are and move on with God. You see, God does use ordinary people. And when we take the time to ponder and think on that and meditate about the magnitude of working with God on His mission to redeem a lost world... 
Oftentimes we may want to ask the question, well, what can one ordinary person such as myself do or accomplish? And one of the most powerful and wonderful passages that helps has helped me in this quest to answer this question over the many years that I've stood behind the pulpit and ministered the gospel is found in James chapter 5, verses 17 through 18, when James penned these words, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Oh, when I read about the life and times of Elijah and what God accomplished through him, it just leaves me feel so humble and awed to think that Elijah was just an ordinary man. He had days just like you and I have days. He had ups and downs. He had moments. He had times when he felt like a champion for God, and there was times when he felt so defeated he didn't know where to turn and go next. It is in this passage that I just read that we learned that this mighty man of God was just one ordinary person, just like you and I. I know that's hard for us to wrap our mind around, but it's true nonetheless. Elijah was ordinary, just as we are ordinary. But when this ordinary man prayed, God responded. Although Elijah was ordinary, yet he humbled himself in the role of a servant. That's something worthy to be noted. He humbled himself in the role of a servant. He obeyed everything God instructed him to do. And God was able to work through Elijah to influence powerfully a whole nation to return to God. Imagine that. This ordinary Elijah, this man who was a man of nature just like ours, James writes, influenced powerfully a whole nation to return to God. You see, God wants you to be you and let Him do through you whatever He chooses. He didn't call you to be like the person next to you. He didn't call you to be like me. He didn't call you to do to be like someone else. He wants you to be you and let Him do through you whatever He wants to do. I want you to note this. We're going to put something up there on the screen behind me, and I want you to follow this closely as I read this. When you believe that nothing significant can happen through you, you have said more about your belief in God than you have said about yourself. I want you to think about that for a moment. That's a lot to absorb. When you believe that nothing significant can happen through you, you have said more about your belief in God than you have said about yourself. Because the last time I checked, my Bible tells me that my God can do anything. And there's nothing that is impossible with Him. Amen? When we believe what I have just read to you, you have in essence said that God is not capable of doing anything significant through you. When I'm here to tell you, He is. Look at what He's done in my life and through me all of these many years. Oh, we've not accomplished anything that we could write in the record books and say has been great, but He has taken a country boy that couldn't stand up in front of anybody and say two words. And somehow through God's ability, has made a preacher 
out of someone who had no desire whatsoever to do what I have done these 45 years. So I'm here to tell you I know what God can accomplish through you if we will just humble ourselves and be a servant and say, Lord, I am at your will. Use me the way you want to. The truth is, He is able to do anything He pleases with one ordinary person that is fully consecrated to Him. You can say amen. Amen. So with all that being said, let's consider the seven realities of experiencing God. And using the seven realities of experiencing God, I will attempt to summarize the way you can respond to God's initiative in your life. Oh, how He wants to work in our lives, how He wants to do more than He has ever done before. Let me say those to you, let me say this to you who may be wondering, although I am retiring from pastoral ministry, I am not retiring from ministry. It's a lifetime appointment. I will be a preacher till I take my last breath. So let's take a moment and look at the seven realities of experiencing God. But before we do, let me share with you this quote from a gentleman by the name of Henry Yarley. And here's the quote. The world has yet to see what God can do with and for and through and in a man who is fully and wholly consecrated to Him. End of quote. Now that word term man in there is gender neutral. It can be a man or a woman. The world has yet to see what God can do with and for and through and in a man who is fully and wholly consecrated to Him. So here are the seven realities of experiencing God. Number one, God is always at work around you. He doesn't take vacations. He doesn't take days off. God is always at work around you. He's doing things right now that you know not of. Number two, God pursues a continuing love relationship with you and that is real and personal. Number three, God invites you to become involved with Him in His work. He won't put you in a full Nelson and throw you down on the ground and say, now you're going to do this or else. But He does invite you. Please come and join me. I will give you all the things that you need to accomplish what I want you to accomplish if you'll just come and yield yourself to me. Number four, God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal Himself, His purposes, and His ways. Amen. Number five, God's invitation for you to work with Him always leads you to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. There came a day in my young years when I had to put into motion God's call. It led me to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. Number six, you must make major adjustments in your life to join God and what He is doing. Oh, if you only knew. If you only knew. Number seven, you come to know God by experience as you obey Him and He accomplishes His work through you. I can tell you I know Him a whole lot better today 
and I knew him some 45, 47 years ago. You see, there are at least three similarities in the lives of Bible characters to whom God worked, and they're as follows. And here they are. Number one, when God spoke, they knew it was God. Number two, they knew what God was saying. And three, they knew what they were to do in response to what God was saying. Please allow me to inject a question at this point. Wouldn't you like for your relationship to God be so that He would work through you in such a way? Believe me, when I tell you He wants to move you to that kind of relationship, there's a song, lyrics in a song that's titled The River, and here the lyrics go something like this, just to give you kind of an illustration. God's passion is an endless river, white water, white water running wild in a restless rushing fury. To see souls reconciled, it reaches wide across forever. It's dangerous and deep, and while some venture to the shoreline, some even dare to leap. And the river rages, the river runs, all through the ages, long after I'm gone, there is a truth I'm finding I can't ignore. Whether I dive in or stand on the shore, the river keeps rushing on. All those who ride the rapids have a message they must tell. There's a joy in being lost in something that's bigger than yourself. And though the current takes you places where you learn to lose control, and if you think you're going under, He'll never let you go. Never let you go. Towards some quiet sea somewhere, there's nothing like the journey there. He'll never let you go. Let's consider for just a few moments Moses as an example. I love to study the life and ministry of Moses and his, because if there was ever an ordinary man that God used to do extraordinary things, it was Moses. I believe Moses' call and ministry is a good example of how God works through ordinary people. His early life and call to ministry are described in chapters 2, 3, and 4 of the book of Exodus. Read it sometime. Not now while I'm preaching, but some other time. Read it and, and really digest it. There are other passages of Scripture throughout the Bible that will also help us see how Moses came to know and follow God's will. Using these seven realities of experiencing God, let's take a look at Moses' call and his response. Now, we're not going to go through all the seven realities, but I would like to use three of them for the purpose of this sermon this morning. Number one, I want to point out to you that God was already at work around Moses. Here's what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. And it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning. And God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. Please allow me to take this thought even one step further. God was at work in this situation 400 years prior 
to Moses ever coming on the scene. Well, how do you know that? I'm going to tell you how I know that. As you recall, Joseph told Israel before he went to his grave, he said, God will visit you again. Remember? God will visit you again. And when He does, don't you leave me here. You take my bones with you and you bury me in the land of my fathers. God was already already at work. Hundreds of years of fire and fire to make him was out of the burning bush. Number two, God pursued a continuing love relationship with Moses that was real and personal. You see, God took the initiative to come to Moses and initiate a love relationship with him at the burning bush. Of all the people God could have chosen to accomplish what He was about to do, He chose Moses. A man who had murdered an Egyptian, a man who had run to the desert to hide out, a fugitive from justice, He chose him. God told Moses that He would go with him into Egypt. Many texts throughout Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy illustrate how God pursued a continuing love relationship with Moses. And let me give you just, just a couple examples here. In Exodus chapter 24, I'm going to use verse 12, verse 15, 16, and verse 18. The Bible says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I will give you tablets of stone and the law and commandments which I have written, that you may teach them. Then Moses went up into the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. Moses became the man that became known as the friend of God. Number three, God invited Moses to become involved with him in his work. Now watch this. Moses, God invited Moses to become involved with him in his work. Here's what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 3, verses 8 and 10. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And he's, t- he's having a conversation with Moses. He's telling Moses, hey, I've come down now to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and all of these other ites and Jebusites. And verse 10 says, this conversation with Moses now, he says to Moses, Come, come now. Therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people the children of Israel, out of Egypt. He didn't say, Moses, here's what you're going to do. He didn't say, Moses, you don't have a choice. He said, come, come. He invited him. Come now, therefore. If you will, then I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people and children of Israel out of Egypt. You see, God had a purpose that he was working out in Moses' world. 
Even though Moses was in exile in the desert, he was right on God's schedule. Right in the fullness of God's timing, right in the middle of God's will. At the time God was about to deliver the children of Israel, the important factor was not what the will of God was for Moses. The important factor was the will of God for Israel. I want you to think about that now. The important factor was not the will of God for Moses' life. But the important factor was the will of God for Israel. Remember this. The will of God for His church overrides our personal will. Number two, God's purpose was to deliver the children of Israel. And Moses was the one through whom God wanted to work to accomplish that mission. Again, I don't know why God chose Moses, but who am I to question God and who He chooses and how He works? Time and time again, God invited Moses to talk with him and to be with him. You see, I've said that to point out that God initiated and maintained a continuing relationship with Moses. And this relationship was based on love. And daily, God fulfilled His purposes through His friend, Moses. You see, whenever God gets ready to do something, He reveals to His people through His Word and or the Holy Spirit what He's going to do. In fact, I was reminded of a passage that I found in the book of Amos, chapter 3, verse 7, as I was putting these notes together. It says this in Amos, chapter 3, and verse 7, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless He reveals His secret to His servants, the prophets. You see, God accomplishes His work through His people. And this is the way God works with you. He works with me. The Bible is designed to help us understand the way of God. Then when God starts to act in our life, we will recognize that it is God that is working and leading and offering direction. So as Brother David makes his way forward, I'll leave you this morning with these words penned by the Apostle Paul. Paul said, not, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content. Learn that whatever state you're in to be content in the knowledge and presence of Almighty God. Paul said, I know how to be abased. In other words, I know how to do without. I know how to live when times are tough. He said, I know how to abound. I know how to live when everything is just great and we're on the mountaintop and things are flowing good. He said, everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full. I've learned to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. Paul said, I've learned all these things. I've experienced them all and I've learned in whatever state I am in for that moment. I have learned to be content in my relationship with Almighty God. Have we, have we journeyed to that point yet? Oh, I dare say we have a long way to go. And then Paul said, after making all those bold proclamations, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
Oh, he's been there. Walked the road. He knew. He knew what it was to abound. He knew what it was to suffer. He knew what it was to be abased and to be abused and to be misused. And he knew what it was to be full and have everything you have need of. And then he said, I know what it is to be hungry. And I know how, what it is to abound and I know what it is to suffer need. But yet I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So High Point Church, I can tell you experientially that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So as you embark upon a new season and a new chapter in the history and the life of High Point Church, and whatever God has in store in the months, the years, and the seasons to come, remember, go with God and join Him in what He is doing. I have made, as I have, my wife and I made that commitment a long, long time ago. I'm going to tell you, it's been one exciting and adventurous journey. Oh, there's some things we would probably do a little different. There's some things we've learned along that journey in life and in ministry that we would probably take a second look at. One thing I can tell you, when you sign up to go with God, and you pray, Lord, Your will, please allow it to become my will, Your thoughts, my thoughts, Your direction, my direction, you'll know what it is to have that loving relationship with Jesus Christ like nothing you've ever experienced. Would you stand with me this morning?